United, you know, United States Armed Forces in any way, if you could please stand. We want to honor you. This Keep standing. Just thank you so much for keeping us safe and allowing us to continue to have freedom and peace. And um, I want to pray a special prayer over each of you, so if we could all pray. Father, we thank you so much that you've put on the hearts of people to defend those who need defense, that need protection. And I thank you that you've put in the hearts of each one of these a desire to serve their country, to serve their fellow man, and to lay their life down for us. And Father, I ask a special blessing upon them. Lord, that you would continue to work in their lives, miracles, provide for them, Lord, supernaturally. Lord, that their desires of their heart would be met, Lord, and that they would know you in a deeper and deeper way and be able to share, to share the experience and the experiences they have had as they've served others, laying down their life this way. And we give you all the praise and glory, and we thank you for them, and we thank you for every other person, every other soldier that is serving this country to, bring us, to keep us safe and to bring us peace and freedom. We ask you to protect them and to keep them. Lord, we ask you to give wisdom to them as they serve, as they fight, as, and whatever they do, and whatever their job is, that they would have wisdom. And Lord, that you would also send laborers to them, to those that don't know you, that are serving and laying down their lives for us, Lord, that you would send laborers to them, that they might come to know you and encounter you and turn to Jesus. And we thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, guys. All right, so we are going to continue on with offering. And um, how many of you saw the boxes out there, the Christmas boxes? So we've got 300, but Betty said we might have like 320. So all of those are going to be sent out today, or not today, but this week to the kids. And so um, that's exciting. And to go along with that, I want to read Matthew 12, 41 through 44 for our offering today. And it says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they have... For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. And I just want to encourage you, as you have given today and as you give at any time, even if it's just a little bit to go into a box, the Lord sees your heart. He is not going based on, he doesn't look at us based on the amount that we give, but the heart attitude in which we give. In that poor widow, she gave everything she had in that moment, and so... Know that the Lord sees your heart, and he is so honored and proud whenever we give from a pure heart of love and compassion and entrusting him. Amen? So, all right, let's pray for the offering and for these boxes. Father, thank you so much again that you gave to us, and we thank you that we can give back to you and that you look on our hearts. And Father, I pray for all of these Christmas boxes that are going out to Operation Christmas Child to each one of these children that are going to receive them. I pray, Lord, that they would get there safely and that these children's hearts would just be overflowed with your love and your compassion for them. And I pray that they would come to know you through this uh, opportunity to receive these boxes. 
And I thank you, Lord, of what you're doing all over the world, leading people to you. And I thank you for providing for us and keeping us and caring about us all the time. And we ask you to bless every one of these uh, gifts and offerings that have been given, Lord, to glorify your name and to build your kingdom. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, if you don't know who I am, my name is Andy, Andy Masella. You can call me Andrew or Andy, I don't care. Um, a lot of you know who I am. Most, most people probably do, but a lot of you don't. And Pastor Jason and Pastor Liz wanted me to um, share my testimony and my story so that way you know who I am for next week when they, um, they're going to ordain me as an elder here and as an associate pastor, which I'm super honored for and excited about. Um, also a little nervous, but um, it's going to be great. So today, I'm going to show, uh, just share my life with you. And um, so it's not like a regular message. It's going to be more of me talking about me, I guess. But really, what the Lord has done in my life um, through all these years. And I'm excited to share the story. And um, God loves stories. And I know that as I share a lot of you, I'm hoping, will be able to identify with my experiences in life, and one day that I'll be able to hear your stories too, you know, um, not just one-sided, but I want to know your heart and your stories as well. And so um, I've taken a lot of time trying to figure out how to share my life, because my testimony is not one of um, living far away from God and then all of a sudden encountering Jesus and having this radical salvation experience, I grew up with God. I came to know him at a very young age, which I'm going to talk about, and I'm sure a lot of you can um, identify with that too, but how to present basically my entire life then is, uh, in a short amount of time, is, was a little challenging, but um, I know the Lord will lead me and guide me in this. So my hope is that, one, you'll get to know who I am, two, that I'll be able to um, build some trust with you guys, because trust is a big deal, especially when you're um, stepping into ministry, and also that you'll see what my heart beats for um, as a person, as a child of God, and a son of God, and um, as your friend and family member. So, yeah, you guys ready? Okay. (laughs) All right, so... um, I guess I'll just share my family real quick, some pictures. I just have three pictures. So I don't have my own personal family of, like, a wife and children, but I have my birth family, which I absolutely love and adore. These are my parents, my mom and my dad. That's Ernie on the left and my dad on the or Yeah, my dad on the left, my mom on the right, Ernie and Julie. And that's another picture of them. And then this is my sister, Eric, uh, my sister, Eric, my sister, Jessica, and then Eric, her husband, and little Avery, my niece. She's two years old. She is a bundle of fun and joy and is communicating really well right now, so it's pretty exciting. And then next picture. Is there not another one? Oh, man. I sent Okay, well, my brother is right there. Stand up, Chuck. <laughs> this is my brother. He has, he has a wife, Brenda, and two children, Chucky and Grace, and they're three years old, and so you'll just be able to see them around here. Uh, Brenda's in the nursery right now with the kids, so, but that's my family. Um, I was born in New Jersey in 1981, 
August 12th. My social security number is, no, just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, I was born, what's that? Okay. <laughs> um, so I was born in New Jersey. My parents um, decided to move here in 1986 when I was just turning, well, I was five. I was going to be, or no, 87 is when we moved here, so I was going to be turning six. And um, my dad did not want to move here. My mom wanted to because my grandparents were here. On her, her parents were here. And he was like, no, we're not moving. We're not moving. We're not moving. And then one day, my mom prayed. And God spoke to my dad. And he came in out of nowhere and said, hey, we're moving to, to Erie, Pennsylvania. And so they moved to Erie, Pennsylvania. He heard God tell him to move. And so we moved here. And... Um, as a family, we are all very close. We're a very close-knit family. Um, we do life together. We always have. And um, growing up was wonderful. Growing up, uh, I grew up in the age when there was no technology, really. Like, there's no cell phones, iPads. We had to go outside and play and play hide-and-seek in the woods and make up games. I lived in a trailer park um, here in Mill Creek. And the trailer park was set up in a big circle, so there was a big field in the center. So as a kid, we played in the field, and we had races around the park and bikes and even rock-kicking races, which was pretty fun. <laughs> Always wear your shoes when you do that. So, um, but it was a great time. Um, because we lived in the trailer park, I learned the value of money pretty quick. We were not a rich family. Um, my dad worked two jobs like my entire life all the way up until this last year and um, sometimes three jobs at times and so I saw the Lord in my family really work to he provided for us there were times when we didn't have a lot of money and didn't have a lot of food and we came home and there would be you know a bag of groceries that was dropped off at our door and just kind of little miraculous things. And I loved it because we'd open up the bag and there'd be like some sweet cereal or something we all loved in there. But I saw the Lord begin to really work in our life and take care of us. Now, um, and we always had a lot of fun as kids. You know, my parents, I have a lot of high regard for them because they, I'll talk more about this, but they raised us in the Lord. But they always took time to play with us, even with all the work that my dad did. My mom was a stay-at-home mom until she was able to we would go to school, and then she could do some other work and things like that. But they always took time to be with us, to play with us, to read to us, and just have fun. And so I love them so much for the childhood that they provided for me. Um, so... I came to know Jesus when I was five years old. Does anybody else have an experience similar to that, like very young? So it was one morning. I was in my bunk bed on the bottom bunk, and my mom, it was in New Jersey. This was before we moved here. I was just five. So she came in and got in the bed with me, and she just started talking to me about Jesus. And, and I, at that age, I understood, you know, there's a God. He created everything. We do bad things. There's sin. I understood what that was. And she asked me if I wanted to come to know Jesus because he died on the cross for my sins. And so I prayed that prayer at five years old in my bed with my mom. And then she asked me if I wanted, wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I said, I'm five years old. I trust my mom. I said, yeah. So she explained it to me. And, I, and she said it, and she laid hands on me. And I began to speak in tongues. And she thought I was kidding 
because I was only five and, you know, the words that were coming out of my mouth, I still remember them um, to this day at that little age, but uh, she thought I was joking. And then as the days and weeks progressed, she would hear me speaking in tongues. And she's like, wow, he was really filled with the Holy Spirit. And I really was. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit since that age and um, have always spoken tongues. And so I thoroughly believe nobody will ever convince me that it's not for every believer, that it, you know, it, is, it is there for everyone. And um, I have the faith in believing for that. And so if you ever desire that, I'll be happy to lead you in that. But yeah, I accepted Jesus at a very young age and my parents raised us in church all the time from birth till forever. So um, we were always in church. My parents were always super involved. My dad always played the drums. He still does, uh, serving in worship teams. And my mom served pretty much anywhere needed a lot of times with the children. But we grew up in a church where, or in church, seeing our parents serve. And so um, I grew up also serving. And um, we were there, when we went to church, it was back in the day. <laughs> it's funny to say now. Because I'm 40, by the way. I just turned 40. So I, in honor of turning 40, I broke my leg. So, yeah, that's what, what happened. But um, we grew up in a church where... It was like Sunday morning, Sunday night, every Wednesday night. That was the life that we lived. And so I was in church a lot. And I quickly grew to really love the Bible at a very young age and just wanting to know God. And um, my parents, like I said, demonstrated that for us. And I'm really thankful because they, as I got older, I had already accepted Jesus and believed in all of that. But as I got older, they never forced anything on us. It was, I mean, they told us the truth and like, you're going to church. So we went to church. But we always had the option to, you know, the choice was always there for us, and I'm so thankful for that and for a praying mom and dad. Um, so home life was good. I got saved very young, and um, yeah, I mean, it was a really great childhood. Now, the difficult years, there were some difficult things we experienced, I experienced in my family, um, not crazy ones, but like, uh, I remember this was a huge one, um, and it was a miracle, really, that really kind of God allowed me to see something um, very powerful and special. But my parents, as all marriages, you know, they had some rough patches. And there was, some, there was a moment that I remember seeing my parents fight and then get so angry that they were ready to divorce. And one left, my mom left the house, went to a neighbor. And it was really just kind of traumatic as a little child. Like I was probably 10, I would say. And... Um, so that happened, and then a little bit later, uh, my mom came back, and my dad, and they went into my sister's room, and they got down on their knees, and they prayed together, and then they called all three of us into their room, into that room, was my sister's room, and I remember seeing them on the ground kneeling, and they apologized, and they said, we're not getting a divorce, and they called our pastor at the time, um, Pastor Manali at Christian Assembly on Liberty Street, and he came over, and they started getting counseling, and they worked through all of their issues. And they stayed together, married to this very day. Well, I'll talk about this. My mom just passed um, this January. But um, they stayed together 43 years or so. My mom and dad, my dad was 20, and my mom was 18 when they got married. And they had me when my mom was 20, so very young family, but they stayed together, and I'm so thankful for that because I saw God work in their marriage and 
pull them together. And, you know, it always takes two. You know, not every marriage stays together. We all know that. Um, but they were both willing to, you know, mutually submit to each other and work through things together with God and with their pastor. And I'm just so thankful for that. So that was a big situation in my life that um, I'll never forget. My grandma died when she was 59 years old, so that was pretty traumatic for my mom. And um, as a, I was about 11 years old when that happened, and so um, it was traumatic. But I saw God work um, to comfort my mom, to comfort my grandpa and my family in a really deep way. So that was my first experience with, like, death and losing a loved one. So, yeah, life was really good as a young man, as a child. But struggles still come, right? Who has struggled, right? Everybody. So struggles started to come when I got into middle school. Who loved middle school? I hate middle school. Sorry if you're in middle school. I will encourage you through middle school. But it was a difficult time for me because it's just weird and awkward. And uh, I was a good student. You know, like I could, I could crush all the tests and do academics pretty well. But socially, not so much. Like I was an introvert. Who's my introvert friends here today? Anybody? Yeah. And making friends was not awesome. I had a number of bullying experiences where I was the one being bullied. I'm sure I bullied somebody else, you know, in in response to it. But uh, I started getting bullied um, in sixth grade in homeroom. I still remember it. It's tragic. And then I had some uh, bad experiences with girls that were not, they were just mean. I was not popular, I was not super good looking, and um, who is in middle school, but um, yeah, so that kind of affected me, and then something really big happened where, um, so I was delivering newspapers with my friend, and this one day there were two, we were just walking up the street delivering our papers, and I would say this is still like sixth grade, maybe seventh grade, Um, there were boys up front that were much older than us, and they were ripping up a magazine, and it was a not good magazine. I won't try not to say too much with little kids in here. But they were dropping the magazine, the, you know, the uh, filthy magazine, into the yards of people as they were delivering them. And so me and my friend at that age, we were like, what are, what's this? And we started picking up all the magazines. Eventually the whole magazine was just thrown, and we got that. And so that was my first experience um, with pornography and whatnot. So that became a pretty big struggle for me at a pretty young age. You know, at that age, you don't really want to talk to your parents about it, plus I was an introvert, and, um, you know, I wanted to, wanted to seem like I was becoming a young man and didn't uh, want to share stuff. So that became a struggle at a very young age that God worked with me through. So if you struggle with things, I understand um, those challenges, and we can talk more about that in later times. But so that was a big deal, And I didn't really have a lot of friends in school, and it really bothered me. And the friends that I did have, they weren't good friends, right? They were always doing the things that you shouldn't do. And so um, eventually I got to a place when I was about 15 years old. So I had been following Jesus this whole time still, you know, but there's the ups and downs and the struggles and the constant days of repenting and asking for forgiveness and feeling like if you're saved or not at that young age. And um, I finally got to 15, and that was when salvation really, like, just took hold. And I remember I was sitting in my church. Um, so at that time, I was going to Bethel Assembly of God in Girard. 
And I'm so thankful for the churches I went to. They were all Pentecostal churches, but every church was, for the most part, very healthy, and I just loved being there. I'm still connected with Bethel um, a little bit, and um, a little bit with Christian Assembly still. We're still friends with some of the old-time like pastors that were there and whatnot. But it was a Sunday morning, and I was sitting at church on the left side, and the way the church was, it was you know, a center aisle and pews on two sides and windows all down the sides of the church. And I was sitting on the left side, and I just remember I was just really struggling, like, what do I want to do? I'm struggling with this and with that. My friends are going this way, but I still feel Jesus pulling me this way. And God just clearly spoke to me, and he said, what do you want to do? You can either go with your friends that you have at school, which aren't many and are leading you in a way that you don't like so far, or you can follow me. And it just all clicked for me. Everything just kind of made sense. Like, I don't want to go the direction my friends are going. And I've known you, Jesus, since I was five, and I've been growing and coming to know you more and more. And so that day... I said, Jesus, I choose you, and I stood up and threw my hands in the air, and I just began worshiping him, and from then on, it was just, that was it, you know, I was going to follow Jesus 100%, and so I began to um, really seek him and follow him, Uh, I began to get involved in the youth ministry there, and I had a pastor named Mike Purcell, who was the youth pastor, and man, he was awesome. He took me under his wing. He became my pretty much my first mentor and um, just really spoke to me and encouraged me. And he took me on an inner city mission trip. And just so you know, all the things I'm, I'm sharing, um, I hope that they're not boring. But I'm, I want, my hope is that you will see God's hand in my life working in me and how he's led me. And I hope that it encourages you ultimately to do life with Jesus. And so anyway... Um, the pastor, he took me under his wing, and we went on an inner-city inner mission trip to Pittsburgh. And um, we did two of them, actually. And it was, like, one of the best experiences of my life. And um, I remember, though, it was on the first trip. We, were, uh, we stayed in this giant, like, old school. And it was, like, people every All the guys were in this school. It was, it was gross, though. I mean, everyone was sleeping on the floor. The bathrooms were crazy. It felt like an actual mission trip, like because it was so filthy in this school, and I was, you know, it was kind of crazy. But um, one morning I went out. There was like this big rock by the school, and it like I remember like a little stream. And I sat on the rock, and we had already been serving and doing stuff for a couple days. And I just felt God say, "This is what I want you to do." And I felt God's call to ministry then, and I wasn't sure, you know, at, at 16 years old. So I asked my pastor, Pastor Mike, what do you think of my life? Like, when you look at me, what do you see me doing? And he wrote me a letter, which I still have to this day, and it was a confirmation of going and being in ministry and serving people and preaching the gospel. So I'm so thankful for how God had, had led me from this really awkward and terrible state in middle school and entering into high school and then all of a sudden he pulled me right into uh, my calling or at least showed me what it's going to be and so um, I continued to serve there until the year 2000 when I came to this church and who's been here since 2000 anybody so some of you yeah so I came here in 2000 Mother's Day 
and I was 18, I was finishing high school, and I quickly got involved with the youth ministry here, and um, began serving, and playing guitar, and you know, leading in worship, and um, my pastor Dan Stauffer, who some of you will know, he really became my next mentor in life. God gave me somebody else, um, because Pastor Mike actually moved to Texas, and so he gave me somebody else right away to kind of take me under their wing, and um, that began another phase of ministry for me, serving in the youth ministry. Now, I graduated high school, and I didn't know what to do. Who knew what they wanted to do right after high school? Anybody? You know, I envy you, right? So <laughs> I didn't have any clue other than I loved art. I was good at art, and I was thinking I could go to art school. But then ministry was like, I knew ministry was my heart. Like, that's what I was called to do. And so I... Um, decided instead of going to school and racking up a big bill, I'm just going to take a year off. I wound up taking two years off and just serving at the church, serving in the youth ministry, giving my life to God in that way and just trusting him. I say, God, I'm not going to do anything until you tell me to go do it. And so one, uh, it was 2002, I would say it was like spring and we was just about the time that we were able to mow the lawn at that point. And I was outside and I, it was a sunny day, and I just felt God say, you need to go in your room and pray right now. And so I stopped the, you know, the lawnmower, went in my room, got down on my knees, started praying, and he said, it's time to go. And I said, okay. And that really kind of scared me. So I went to Pastor Dan, and I said, I'm supposed to go somewhere. I really believe it's ministry school now. God told me to go. He said, okay, I'll take you on a trip to Oklahoma, to my school at Rama Bible Training Center, and you can decide, you know, check this school out and see if this is the place to go. And a number of us went, Adam Lakovic over here went, there was probably like six of us that went on the actual trip to visit, and then I think all of us went to the school. Um, but at that time, I just knew when I was there, God said, come here. So this was a huge initiation step for me as a man because I had never left the state on my own. I had never driven out of the state. And, like, it was, I would say, April when we went, May. Some of that was, like, the visitation time. And then uh, I had to move in, like, August to get down there for school. And God provided everything I needed. He gave me, I got a U-Haul, packed up my stuff. Adam was my roommate. And, like, you were the best roommate I've ever had, just so you know. Um, <clears throat> But we uh, packed up everything, and I drove down by myself with no phone, old MapQuest pages printed out on a printer, you know, and a U-Haul, like, oh, 18 hours. It was a trip. But I got there. Like, God took care of me, and I went to Bible, Bible school and spent um, two years there. It was a two-year program. I went through the missions program for foreign missions, and graduated. It was a super exciting time, especially when we got into our first apartment. Like, the first week, some guy was held at gunpoint, like, by a cop and got arrested, and then your car got broken into, Adam, I think, and it's pretty wild. I didn't have a car when I got there, so Adam drove me around in his car, and then the second year, your car kind of kicked the can, and so then I drove him around in my car. It was a pretty interesting time. So, anyways... 2002, 2004, graduated in the missions program. And then um, everybody, you know, a lot of people out of Bible school, one, they're either like engaged and going to get married, or they already have a plan to be like in a 
full-time paid position at a church or they have some idea of where they're going. And I did not have any idea where I was going. And I prayed and I said, God, where do I do? Where do I go? And he's like, just go home. And I was like, I don't really want to go home. So he's like, go home. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go home. And I came home and I did the only thing I knew to do, which was get back involved in church, start serving, because that was what I went to, I mean, that's the calling of my life, and I went to Bible school for it, right? So I got back involved with here, and from 2004 to 2006, I served under Pastor Dan. And I was seeking the Lord, like, I, got, I had my job and, and what to do continually, like, next for, for the Lord. And um, it just so happened that Pastor Dan was called to go to New Jersey and start a church. And so they were going to need a youth pastor here, and I was like, nope, I'm not youth pastoring, which is kind of funny because I've been serving in the youth ministry for all this time, and I just didn't have the confidence to, like, take the lead on it. And so I began to pray and ask the Lord what to do, and Pastor Jim, at the time, he called me for a meeting. Now, I was also serving as the usher team captain here at that time, and I thought we were going to have a meeting about the ushers, and I got in my car, and the Lord said, he's going to ask you to be the youth pastor. You have to say yes. And I was like, this is how God leads me, right? So all this time, I'm learning how God's leading me. And every, it seems like every two to three years, there's like a, some big change happening. And this was, you know, I moved back in 2004, two years, 2006. I'm going to step into this role. So I go to the meeting, and sure enough, Pastor Jim asks me, and I say yes. All right, I'm going to do it. So I become the youth pastor from 2006, and it was awesome time. Um, we had a lot of fun. As, did we not have a lot of fun? Youth? Yeah, we had a lot of fun. It's Kyle and Shelly and Adam and Rachel and I don't know, a few others in here. Um, we all had so much fun at that time. So I served, and it was hard. It was a very difficult transition for me because, you know, the youth ministry was started by one man, Pastor, Pastor Dan, and it really had his fingerprints all over it. And, um, and so when you, whenever you take over a, quote unquote, a ministry from somebody else who was birthed it, you know, it's hard to continue it in that same light. And I was a different personality than him and everything. But we continued to do it, and it went really well. And um, we went on a couple mission trips to Mexico City. And I just felt God just really calling. Like, I felt like, man, I need to be doing, like, quote unquote, missions in some way. And so... What happened was I came back from that trip and I started to feel, it was 2008, yeah, 2008, and I was feeling really kind of awful. Like, I loved youth ministry, but it was not like my favorite, like it was just felt something different about it. And so I went back to God and I said, God, something's not right. What do I need to do? I took a day off, went in my room, started reading the Bible, and I got to uh, the part where Peter was walking on the water and then he starts to sink. And then Jesus says, you know, oh, ye little faith, why did you doubt? And I had been doubting God. And he said to me again, it's time to go. Like, that's like God's words for me, I guess. It's time to go. So I'm like, okay, go where? He said, I want you to go and tell your Pastor Jim you're going to be done at the end of the school year, which was eight, month, eight months away. So I was putting in an eight-month notice to move on not knowing where I was going to go, but I thought surely it would be like a missions to a foreign country or something. Well, it wasn't. Uh, we got towards the end of it, and I was really struggling. I was afraid. I don't have, like, what's the next steps after this? This was my full-time job. And 
um, I wound up going to New Jersey to visit Pastor Dan and take some time away from just everything and kind of pray. And the whole time I was struggling and I got to the last day I was going to be there with him and he said, Andy, what do you just, what do you really want to do? I'm like, I know I'm supposed to go somewhere and all I know to do is I'm supposed to help somebody, like help a pastor do something. And it was never crossing my mind what the next thing was until he said, well, if that's what you want to do, that's what you feel called to do, why don't you come here and help me? I'm just planning this church. I need help. And as soon as he said it, the peace of God came on me and all fear and worry left, and I instantly knew this was what I'm supposed to do. And so I went and made the plans to go. I came home, and my mom knew. I knew this was confirmation, too. She said, when I got home, she said, you're going to move to New Jersey, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, I am. And so she said, I knew. I knew, I knew before you even left that that's what's going to happen. And so I packed up everything and moved to New Jersey, and it was miraculous how God provided for me. He gave me an apartment that I actually prayed for um, on a dead-end street in a really nice neighborhood connected to somebody's house with a parking space and a pool in the back. Like, it was, and it was a miracle how that even happened because I went to go look for apartments, and I couldn't find a good apartment that I really felt peace about. It was the last night I'm there, and Pastor Dan's like, let's just check on Craigslist and see if there's any listings. And I go, and there's one listing, like, two miles from his house. And the lady, we go at 8 o'clock at night. She's like, come on over. She shows us the place. She's like, here's how much it is, and if you want it, you can have it. And I'm like, do you need to do a background check or all that kind of stuff? I'm like, I don't have a job yet. You know, like, you're going to be going on faith with me that I'm going to have money when I get here. She's like, yeah, you can just sign the papers, and you can come. And I was like, okay, so I moved there. I didn't have a job again. So within two weeks, the Lord provided me with a job, and he took care of me. And um, it was an awesome experience helping plant a church in New Jersey. Um, we met in a middle school. I was in charge of all the setup and teardown because we had to set up and tear down every single Sunday. Can you imagine, like, we had a team of people that would come every Sunday, like 6 o'clock in the morning, pull out this giant trailer with a truck, unload everything out of road cases, get into the school and set everything up and then we'd put it all back. And we did it for four years. So I was in charge of that team. I was in charge of, quickly became in charge of the worship team because the worship leader they had left. And then I was also in charge of the kids ministry and just began to step out in faith and leading in those areas, which was difficult, but I did it. And then, and um, as I did it, we grew. We grew from about 40 people to, I would say, close to 200 people as a church. And, um, we were having two services, and I was able to work my way out of those jobs and eventually um, uh, step into a few other things until I was able to work my way out of those. And then by 2014, I really wasn't doing heavy, heavy lifting anymore. The church was functioning fairly well, and so my job was really starting to be done, so to speak, in going somewhere and helping to plant the church. So now... The most difficult, of my, difficult time of my life began in right around this time in 2013. So I'm going to share this, and I'm going to do my best to share it all. And, um, and just, yeah, hopefully you'll see my heart in it and uh, how God led me through it. How many of you have gone through, like, seasons of very difficult times? Anybody? How many of you have gone through seasons where it's, like, multiple years? <laughs> right? And you're like, oh, gosh. So this whole time, you know, my life, God has led me. He's taken me through, you know, personal battles and 
helped me step into call, my calling, and, and I've been able to hear his voice and really get to know him more and more and more. And there was a time when I was like, things were actually so good at times, I was like, man, I almost wondered, when am I going to go through some hard stuff? Like, God, like, not that I wanted it, wanted it, but you kind of wonder that, like, you know, when's my battle going to come? So it started um, in a, well, it didn't start out as a battle. I met a woman in 2013 that was attending my church and um, quickly became friends and then um, quickly fell in love. And this was really the first relationship that was serious with me at that point. And I was like, it's around 30 years old. And, um, but like, it seemed like it was going to make sense. Like, this is, this is good. And so I began to date her, and we dated for six months, and then I proposed, and then, um, let's see, I proposed, and then six months later, in November of 2014, we decided to get married. Now, during that time, everything was really great in that relationship until about the time I proposed, and then things started to get to change, and... um, I, we, we sat down and we prayed, and I was like, when should we get married? And I took like a week like, of fasting and praying throughout different days to hear God and see when I was supposed to get married to this girl. And I felt clearly like the Lord said, wait till February of 2015. And she did not hear that. And so um, instead of going back to God and praying again, I was like, well, let's talk to some friends that we trust and see what they recommend, right? So we went to a couple different people that we trusted and asked the question, you know, should we get married sooner or later? And they're like, well, you know, it'd probably be better to get married sooner, especially if if things are, like, serious, you know? And I said, okay, so we decided to get married in November. Well, as soon as we got married... (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry, I got to cover the microphone. Um... As soon as we got married, things got really rough. And I just, it was actually a nightmare um, of what I went through. And she wound up just not wanting to be married. Like she just, after we got married, it was like something completely changed in her. And so we got to February. So it had only been three months. We got married November 8th and got to February, and the day after Valentine's Day, she was like, I don't want to be married. I'm divorcing you. And I was instantly crushed. I mean, rejection, you know, growing up, you know, I was struggling already in middle school back then, like, with approval issues, masculinity issues, like, do I have what it takes, you know? Am I really able to be a man and all that kind of stuff? And then I worked through all of that all those years with Jesus, and then finally this happens, and it was a crushing blow to my life. And I didn't understand why she wanted to get a divorce because there was nothing had happened. So we went and talked with Pastor Dan and another couple, and she didn't want to listen to, listen to anything they had to say. And we went to a counselor, a professional counselor, and he said, listen, there's no reason to get divorced for anything. She's like, I just don't want to put the time into this marriage. I don't want to be married. And so there was nothing I could do to convince her. It takes two. And it was really devastating. And so um, so she had me move out. And I said, oh, you know, I'm not going to force somebody to love them. I'm not going to fight them on it. If I loved her, I'm going to love her enough to let her go if that's what she really wants. So I said, okay. And um, I moved out. And 
well, shortly after I moved out, since there was no hope for the marriage, I wound up moving home because I just needed my family at that point. I mean, I wasn't really heavily involved at the church, like, leading, so I wasn't stepping away, leaving a gap, and um, I just, I needed my family. So my grandpa and my mom, my grandpa said, come move back and live with me. My mom said, move back, and um, so I did. So the divorce continued, and it got to April. The divorce was final on April 22nd of 2015, and we got to July 4th, and I thought, maybe I'll search her name on Facebook. And she had blocked me from everything, but somebody had posted a picture of her, and I found it. And she was married to another guy on July 4th, three months, or less than three months after the divorce was final, and then it all clicked. You know, something else was going on, and she never shared it with me, and I, I overlooked so many red flags. Um, so many red flags, but you live and learn. And if I had listened to God... This is a test of obedience. If God tells you to do something and to wait to do something, do it. Because if I had waited till February of that year, I wouldn't have gotten married and had a divorce. I would have had a broken heart, I'm sure, because she would have left me prior to that, at that point, knowing what she actually decided to do. But um, I wouldn't have gone through all of that heartache in such a deep way. So listen to God. If he is telling you to do something, he's telling you to wait Seek him and do whatever he says, whether it makes sense or not, whether it makes somebody else angry or not, do it, okay? So I learned that lesson the hard way. So that began this season of very difficult life, like difficulties in my life. Because when I moved home, um, I was crushed. I did not feel like being in ministry anymore. I felt like that was gone. Like God just, it was gone. It flew away like a bird. And um, I moved back in with my grandpa and, you know, he's like, you can stay here till you get on your feet. And I was very happy for that. But, and I had to find a job, and I did find a job within that year. But his health began to deteriorate rapidly. He was already like 82. He was still golfing um, at that age. But shortly after I moved back, he just, his, his uh, health started to go down. And I quickly learned that I was going to need to become a caretaker. Now, how many of you have taken care of? family members, right? It's not easy. It's hard. And he had a, you know, not a giant house, but I began taking care of the house. He has a decent-sized property with a pool and all this sort of stuff. So I began taking care of him. And um, that was a challenge because I had just gone from having a full life of ministry and feeling like I was walking in God's will to this devastating relationship and then having no house you know, having to take care of somebody. It was a real shift for me. And um, so God spoke to me, though, and he said, this is a time for me to heal you and to prepare your heart for what's next. He said, I want you to be faithful what belongs to somebody else. And I understood what he was saying. So I just buckled down. I began to serve my grandpa and to love him. And I'm so thankful. Like, it's so weird how God works things together for good. Because, I mean, I moved back under this awful circumstance. And I didn't, I didn't ever want to move back to Erie. I was like, I'm never moving back to Erie. Just like you, Chuck. And, and then God said, well, you're going to move back to Erie. So he moved me back under a pretty serious circumstance. But, you know, my grandpa, I grew up with him. And he was an awesome man. And the fact uh, that God let me take care of my grandfather in the last, you know, five years of his life... I mean, it's just awesome. 
because I was able to develop a relationship with him that was a little deeper than I've ever had. I was able to see him go through really hard times of, you know, he wasn't able to golf anymore. Pretty soon he couldn't ride his motorcycle anymore. Pretty soon he couldn't even drive his car, you know? Like, it's a hard thing when you're not able to do the things that you love and feel um, capable. So I was able to be there with him through that. And during that time, God did begin to get me back into ministry a little bit. After the first year I was here, I began to help lead worship at Real Life Assembly. That's where I was going to church because that's where my parents were going, and I just needed to be near them So, uh, and, my, and my sister. So I went there, began serving a little bit, and uh, didn't feel super confident, but that's okay. Um, and then after two years, somebody from Bethel, a friend of ours, was helping with their youth ministry, their youth group. And so God said, I want you to help there too. So I started to do both of those things and serve. And um, so what happened was uh, I'm serving, helping my grandpa. It's pretty difficult still. And then my mom gets diagnosed with cancer in 2017. She had breast cancer. And she had to have a double mastectomy and seven months of treatment, of chemo treatment. And it was hard. It was hard treatment. I was through two th- diagnosed in the end of 2017, started treatments after the mastectomy, and then went through July of 2018 with treatments. So now it was like double duty for caretaking, you know, and all of our family had to rally around to make it happen. So my mom pulled through that. My grandpa continued to go down slowly, and then um, uh, my mom made it for like an- about a year. Now, in 2019... That's when I felt God say, I want you to move back here. And Pastor Jason and Liz had just taken over from Pastor Jim. And I didn't really know anything about it, but my friend Todd Sutton, who was attending, he said, you should come back, you know, and check it out. And I prayed about it a long time before God said, okay, it's time to go back. So I came back in 2019 and began serving. Make it through 2019, and the end of 2019, my mom gets re-diagnosed with cancer again. Well, she starts hurting, and then I would say in March of that next year, 2020, when COVID was happening, she got re-diagnosed with the cancer. This time it was in her lungs, though. It metastasized into her lungs, and it was a death sentence. You know, they said, you'll be lucky if you make it to the holidays. And I mean, this was, it was devastating to, to all of us, especially to my mom, because my mom was only 59 years old. And she had never, she was like, I don't want to die young, you know, like, for our sake, she said, because her mom died at 54. And so it was a really, really challenging time. I mean, so many questions for God, you know, about why is this happening? How do I get through this? How do I take care of my mom, my grandpa, and all this different stuff? And am I going to still, you know, have you ever had those questions where you're like, if this person died in my life, I don't know if I would still follow Jesus. Have you ever had a question like that? I mean, I have. <laughs> I, I I was, when I was like, if you take my mom, I don't know what I'm going to do. Even though I've had, you know, 30-something years of following Jesus, the question still crosses your mind. You know, the enemy brings those. And so I just, I'll tell you, it's been during the hardest season of my life. That's when you hear the God clearest, at least for me. And he began to answer my questions and take care of us and um, work things out for us that it's just amazing. So, for instance, you know, we're going through two people dying. So my grandpa's still alive at this time, and he's almost, he's almost there. He's congestive heart failure. He's in his bed all the time, and um, can't do anything. And my mom's going down slowly, 
And, but God, like, he worked it together for good, starting with COVID. And it's really funny because COVID was an awful thing for the whole world, right? But he turned it out for good because my dad, who's a nurse, he had to stop working his job at the barber center because it was, um, they closed down his, his area where they were for quite a while. So he was able to be at home with my mom and my grandpa because um, my mom was, we were basically all living together. Like my grandpa had left the house to my mom and dad. So they were going to have a house now. They had lived in a trailer park their entire life from the time we moved here. And so now they're going to have a house. So my dad, you know, moved everything over. He's caretaking full time. My sister also working for Air Insurance. They're like, you have to work from home. So now she's going to be able to work from home and help take care of my family. So during all of COVID, none of us got COVID and all of us were able to be together and care for one another. And my mom and my grandpa had round the clock care and then eventually hospice. But at all times, God used it use that whole situation for us, and um, I'm just so thankful. So we get to 2000 uh, of uh, 2020, my grandpa eventually passes uh, July 12th, and then um, my mom did make it all the way through to um, 2021 and died in January of this year, January 9th. So it's been a really challenging year during, really, really a challenging six years. I went through, you know, a, a terrible relationship that ended in a way I never dreamed of and then went right into caretaking and watching two of the closest people in my entire life pass, pass in front of me. And we were there when they both passed. And um, so it was really, really difficult. But in all of it, as I said, God worked in miraculous ways in our family. Um, you know, he knows everything that's going to come in your life. You guys understand that? He knows what's coming. He knows how to work things together for good for you because he loves you and he cares. And if there's one thing I, can, I know, having lived my life with God, is that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Have you been in a pit that was so deep you never thought you could get out of it? so dark. You know, as soon as that first thing happened with my ex, it was like, I felt like I was Joseph being thrown into this pit, and there was no way out of it, and as soon as I hit the bottom, like, Jesus was already there. He already knew the pit I was going to be in, and he knew how to get me out of it. So, if you're in your life, and you're struggling, and you're in a dark time, Jesus is with you. He will promise. He promises never to leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave you or forsake you. It's just a matter of keeping your eyes open and being willing to say, Jesus, this is so hard right now, but I, I can't get out of this pit. I need you to help me. And then letting him help you. It was during this season of my life that I, God be able, was able to get into the deepest parts of my heart and be able to actually heal wounds in my life that happened um, that I thought I had dealt with, but I hadn't. And you know that they aren't dealt with because when something terrible happens, they reopen and then you start acting in certain ways that you don't want to act or you know, having feelings that you don't want to feel. And he began to just heal my life and take care of me. And he'll do the same for you. He'll do the same for you. He also cares about the physical things and the desires in your life. Like little things, like not little, big things. You know, my parents had never been debt-free 
my entire life. It was during the hardest season of our life that they were able to get debt-free. And my dad is able to be debt-free and work a job, one job now. He'll be reti- retiring in a couple years. But he took care of us in that way. Um, it was amazing to see how God doesn't stop leading you through the hard times. So for me, ministry felt like it was gone. Do you have a desire in your life that you feel like is gone? Anybody? Raise your hand. Okay. I felt like it was gone, and it was during the hardest time of my life that God led me back into it and brought the desire back. If you're struggling with that, know that God will lead you. And his, he is, the song that we finished with today is probably the perfect song because he doesn't stop working. When you need him, he is always there. He's working on your behalf this very day. Whatever it is you need God to be working on in your life, he is. He is drawing you and leading you back. During this time, I, um, I'm almost finished here, but I just want to maybe start ending with this. You know, we, in that song, in the second song today that we sang, it says, you know, um, something about the, you couldn't climb the highest mountain. What was that? In the first verse or the second verse, there's a mountain and you can't climb it. <clears throat> How many of you love mountains? Yeah. Uh, I mean, who's been to Colorado? I've never been to Colorado. I want to see some beautiful mountains. I just see them in the pictures, you know? Mountains look beautiful, don't they? But when you get close to a mountain, it's scary. When you think, i got to climb this mountain, it's scary, right? And our life is made up of mountains, right? Some of them are small. Some of them are enormous. I just, I'm in the, I'm just like summiting this enormous mountain in my life for the last six years, right? It's enormous, and it's scary. But, and a lot of times we try to climb mountains on our own. We try to climb them with our own ropes, or the devil will come and bring a rope and say, hey, you can use this to climb your mountain, and you'll never, and his ropes never work, right? But what I've learned is that, you know, Jesus, I watched this. Who's seen the movie Free, or the documentary, documentary Free Solo? I talk about, I love this documentary. It's not a Christian documentary. It's about this guy named Alex Honnold. He climbs, he free solos. He climbs mountains with no ropes. And he climbed uh, the Half Dome. And he climbed, um, uh, it's called El Capitan. It's like the two biggest uh, mountains, you know, in, two of the biggest in the United, in the United States. And he did it without a rope. And I would watch this documentary and I heard Jesus say, I never climb mountains with ropes. He's like, I free solo all of them. He makes the spots, he makes the spots to climb. He, he can make handholds and footholds in any mountain. He said, you don't need any rope in your life during these hard times except to be tethered to me. The only rope that you should have is being tethered to me. You can hang on the mountain when you're struggling and just rest while I climb. All right? And the thing is, when you finally reach those mountains and you finish and you get back on the road and you look back, you're going to see this beautiful mountain. But those mountains, they're hard when you're in the midst of them. But just know that God will take your hardest mountains and make them beautiful. If you will tether yourself to him, if you'll trust him to work all things together for good, if you'll trust him with your life and let him lead you. Don't make decisions without him. All right. If you will do that, he will bring you through every single situation, which he has done for me. And he's brought me back into this place of 
stepping into a role of eldering and, um, and uh, associate pastoring. And so my heart for you guys is that you would know Jesus deeply. Better than, I mean, I feel like I'm every year, like getting to know Jesus more and more. And my heart for you and for every person that comes here is for you to come to know Jesus in a deep, deep way where you trust him with the hardest parts of your life. My heart is that we would grow as a family and do life together. You know, I learned that you cannot do life without family. Okay? If you don't have a family, this church will be your family. Pastor Jason and Pastor Liz's heart is for this church to function deeply as a family more and more. And you're going to see it begin to happen more and more. But if you're here, this is your family. You have your own family, but you have another one here. And so when you're struggling, my heart is for us to work together, to be unified together, uphold one another and encourage one another and do life together. And um, I just want you to know I love you guys. And uh, I can't wait to hear your stories. And I hope what I've shared is helpful. I've never shared my entire story like this before. And um, I hope you're encouraged that God will never leave you. He will take care of you. Amen? Um, If you don't know Jesus, today is the day that you can come to know him for the first time. And um, or maybe you had started a relationship with him and it kind of went south. You can come back. He is drawing you this day and we can pray together after we're finished um, here. So yeah, that's my life. And I hope you understand a little bit more about me. And um, was it helpful? I hope. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's different. Like, I'm not really preaching a message. But um, I hope that, yeah, I look forward to getting to know everybody here and learning names. And if I don't remember your name right away, please forgive me because I'm not great with them all the time. But, um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, let's pray. And we'll close out, and then we can hang out a little bit and um, go from there. Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. Lord, I thank you that you never leave us and that you never forsake us. That you are with us in the good times and you are even closer in the hard times. And that in no matter, in no matter what pit we are in, you're there. No matter what cl- mountain we're climbing, you're there, that you're always working. And Lord, I just pray that each person's here, each person here, their heart will be stirred to know you more, that we would all want to know you more and to be with you and do life with you and to trust you because you are good. You are good. And we love you and we praise you. If there is anybody here who has not accepted Jesus and would like to know, come to know this God that I serve and that we serve here, just raise your hand if you don't know Jesus and you would like to know him. All right. Well, then we have a job to do, friends, don't we? Go out and minister, share our stories with people of how God has changed our lives and leads us to him lead them to him. So, Father, we thank you that, for what you're doing in this church. We thank you that you are leading us and guiding us and drawing us to you. And we give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
If you do need prayer today, we do have prayer teams that will come up here. If you have prayer, need prayer for something in your life, a physical healing, anything, please feel free to come up here and uh, myself or the other teams that are coming up will pray with you as well. And yeah, look forward to next week. So, all right, love you guys.